0: Father, we just give you thanks right now. Would you just lift your hands with wherever you're at? Just lift your hands up as a sign of just thanksgiving. Father, we thank you. We thank you and praise you, God. We stand with our hands stretched out, God, as a surrendering sign to you, God, that we are, we're surrendering our life, we're surrendering our heart's attitude to you, God, by saying, thank you, God. We're so grateful for all the good things you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the breath in our lungs, God, we thank you, Lord, for the clothes on our backs, the food we've eaten today, God, the things you've given us is so much more than we ever deserve. But in Christ, Lord, you provided all that and more, God, and we're thankful. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. You're so worthy. So worthy. Amen. Isn't God good? God's good. All right, let's uh, get in the Word, because I am really excited about today's message. Um, If you were here last week... Or if you weren't here last week, you really missed out. I said you really missed out. Robert, you missed out. Were you here? Oh, sorry. (laughs) And unfortunately, we didn't get it recorded, so I'm going to make sure today that the message, uh, I know. uh, Greg's insuring, and we're good. Greg, can you make sure it's EQ'd? Because this mic's kind of (laughs) different. But so I'm going to, because some of you couldn't make it, I'm going to do a little review. And you got notes. There was notes in your bulletin. If you like notes, um, if that helps you out, that's good. My darling, would you grab some Kleenex for me? So is everyone? does anyone need notes that didn't get them? Because we're going to get in that. I want you to. Oh, yeah. I'll give you some answers. (laughs) So who's ready to take up the word of God and start uh, swinging it? Is anyone ready in life to just kind of, all right, that's it. I'm getting my sword. I'm going to town. I might not know how to use it that great yet, but, you know, it's like a little kid that grabs a toy sword and, you know, in movies they're all professional, right? But sometimes you... You just get that sword and you start swinging, you're bound to hit something, right? Mm Mhm. So I handed out little army guys last week to remind everybody that we're in a war. And so on your notes there on review, if you weren't here, if you're here, it's going to be a fresh review. But I want you to, this week you should have been thinking and praying about that and reviewing scriptures on that to see where God has you and where you're at in this mindset of us being in a war, right? So we were talking about having that mindset. Thank you, my lovely assistant. All right. Get all that boogie stuff out of there. All right. We talked about being in a mindset. Are we recording? Because I don't want this is a really good sermon, man. I don't want to miss this. Uh, we're gonna, I'm telling you. yeah. Is the, let's, yeah, let's take the boogie thing out just in case this goes viral on YouTube. We talked about the mindset of war. The fact that we are in a war, right? Whether we like it or not, we're in this war. And this warfare is over what? What's what's the big fight about? Who? Other souls? souls? Our Our souls, yeah. So it's about us, right? (laughs) And it's about us reaching others. So this warfare really is about you. There is a fight over you. There is a war going on in the heavenlies right now to, A, firstly, keep you out of the family of God. That's their their, their mission. The enemy, the, the kingdom of darkness, their mission statement is, number one, keep people from knowing who Jesus is. Their second mission statement is, if they happen to get saved, which we're going to do everything we can to keep them from confessing Christ and getting saved, the second thing is to keep them from living the fullness that God has for them. <laughs> uh, amen? amen? So the church, it, when, when Christ came and, and died and paid the price, became our atonement, he provided not just a home in heaven. We've got to get that thinking straight in our minds because too much of the church history, especially in the last 50 to 100 years, has been about, it's all about and and not minimizing eternal life and salvation as far as our home in heaven. But eternal life is not a home in heaven. Eternal life is God living in you now. It is not, we're not waiting till the shores of, you know, Jerusalem, and we're just waiting for the the Lord to come back and rapture us out right before it gets tough in America, which we'll talk about rapture later, because the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Did you know that? Anyway, a different story. So we're not here in this life to sit and wait until, oh, till we all get to heaven, and we're just going to make it by. We're just barely going to get by until, until, until the Lord comes back for us. That is a wrong and an unbiblical and an unbelieving attitude. We are the creation. We are new creatures in Christ. We have Christ, God, living in us, and we are more than conquerors. We should be living a life when people look at your life as you as a person. They should say, man, what's different about you? And that's not all to do about the external. Remember, remember when King Saul got anointed king? Remember that story where King Saul was hiding out? He was afraid. He didn't think he was good enough. But they saw Saul and he was tall, good looking. And they, they wanted to anoint him king because he fit the, the paradigm for the king. But remember, he didn't do a, that great a job like King David did. He had the heart for God versus Saul didn't have that heart. So God, and God said in that story, God sees the internal not the external. And so us as Christians should be portraying to the world that we have something great in us and not about, oh, we drive a Rolls Royce or have a big house, but it's who we are, character, how we handle difficulties in life, how we handle stress and anxiety, how we view things, how we see God should be so different from the world that we stand out. Do people know you're a Christian at your work? Do people know that you're a Jesus freak? And if they don't, then that's when you have to go, wait a minute, I should be a light to the world. I should, be, I should be standing out as a light to this dark world. And people should look at me and go, what's different about you? Why do you handle this situation that way? How did you go through that uh, evil time in your life and be okay with it? And how would you do that? Are you with me? So we're not waiting around for sweet by and by. We're not waiting around until, oh, gee, if we can just make it till Jesus comes back, we're going to be all right. No. We're to be taking the kingdom now. We should be setting captives free now. It's not about just getting people to go, I believe in Jesus, and then, oh, barely make it, and then you get, no. Confession in Christ and a belief is the beginning of a new life. Yeah, it's not just a one-time event that you hang on the wall and then go do whatever you want with your life. It's a complete surrender. It's a complete life change. And it begins at confession. It begins there and increases. Amen? So I want to live that type of life. I don't know about you guys, but I want to start living a life each day that's more and more victorious. I want to start conquering the things that come into my life. We talked about those burdens that we came, some of us came in with today. Stressors in our minds and worries at work and family with kids and all that kind of stuff. But I want to be where we're taking authority over those and living victoriously, and so that our light shines brighter to the world. Amen? So I want to get into that today. So, got off on a little tangent, my apologies. Well, no, I like tangents, so I don't apologize for that. So we are in a war. A, there, just review really quickly, we are in a war. Your enemy, Israel, wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. You have to realize that, that you're in a war. And this whole war is about keeping you from your destiny. (coughs) Did you hear that? Each one of us has a destiny that God has birthed in us, has pre-planned. God sees your whole life completed. He see, he's given you parts of himself in you. God has given you qualities and characteristics and a part of him, his very self and nature he's put into you and in your life. And it's about fulfilling that destiny and being all that God's called you to be. And the warfare is to keep you from doing that. It's to keep, well, if they get saved, then, then let them be poor, wretched, and sick, and blind, and everything else. Do you see the enemy's strategy? He wants to press you down and keep you from experiencing the goodness and the power of God. Guys, if you read the New Testament, especially the Gospels and Acts, you see a radically changed people that not only changed the world, but they were doing crazy things. Eyes were being opened, blind eyes were being opened, handkerchiefs that Paul used. We're healing people, not because of Paul, but because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There are awesome things happening in church. We need to, not only, not only do we want those in our life, but we should be expecting them. We should be surprised when they don't happen. We should be concerned that, well, wait a minute, I haven't led anyone to the Lord this week. What's going on? Let me get someone to the Lord. I, no one's been healed. I'm, oh, there's a person, let's go pray for it. Wouldn't you rather take a risk and fail then never take the risk at all. I would. I'm that way. When I get to heaven, the best thing that could ever happen is God say, Doug, why did you take so many faith risks? Why were you believing me for so much? I'd be like, yes! Are you with me? Instead of getting up there and him going, man, you sure didn't take any risk. You hardly trusted me. What's going on? Didn't you believe what my word said was true? I'm just saying... Just a thought. So we're in a war. We have to fight. Remember we talked last week about showing no mercy on your enemies. And I know that was, it's a hard thing because when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they destroyed everything. Kids, animals, everybody. And we know that was a picture in the Old Testament, but today our warfare is not against flesh and blood, right? Okay, this is against spiritual principalities. So it's a spiritual battle and God says when, we go, when we're fighting in this war, we have to have the mindset that when we're going to fight spiritually, we take no prisoners. We're not making any nice little agreements with our enemies. We're not letting a little worry stay. We're not letting a little doubt and unbelief stay. Are you with me? We're not letting just little bits of sin stay in our life. We are completely to obliterate the enemy in our lives. Remember, we talked about that. We saw that in Joshua later on in in about chapter 15 or so. We saw that they hadn't taken the land and they allowed some of the enemy to stay in their land, which did what? Brought sin, idolatry, and the practices of, of what God was trying to get rid of. And today in our lives, it's the same thing for us. When we allow just a little bit of the enemy to stay, a little bit of unbelief and doubt, a little bit of fear, a little bit of sin, little sins here and there, what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to stay in our lives, and that is a cancerous tumor that's growing spiritually in us that will eventually wipe us out. That's why God said, get rid of all of them. He knew that if a little speck of that thinking and mindset from the enemy stayed in there and, and Israel's thinking that it would come back and, he, and Jesus uh, God actually said this, it'll be a thorn in, the, in your side. So we got to fight. show no mercy. We fight for what is legally ours through Christ. I'll say this over and over until I die. I think it's the most honorable thing to, take all that God's given us based on the death and resurrection of his son. If I gave my son for you, you better take all that that was worth and live to its fullest, right? I mean, he gave his only son, and we should not just be going, oh, thank you for salvation, and then do what we do and just get busy in our own life. And we get so mixed up trying to make a life here, you know? We get so wrapped up in trying to make this life comfortable and nice, and we want to have all this cool stuff. And really, our lives shouldn't be about this life. God, we're just sojourners, guys. This is not our home. This is only temporary. Get our eyes and focus off that and get our eyes on what Christ has in us and to complete our destiny in us so that we can accomplish his will in his kingdom. That's where fulfillment comes from, is walking in the fullness of God and in his word. Amen? God didn't say, hey, you know, quit sinning or don't do this, don't do that. He didn't give us the Ten Commandments to make our lives miserable. He gave us the Ten Commandments because he designed us and he knows what really is going to fulfill us. And the things he says not to do are the things he knows that won't bring satisfaction. The devil twists it and gives temporary satisfaction. The Bible says sin is good for a season. At first, it looks kind of good. But God knows that in the end, that is an empty road. It's a dead-end street. And when you follow those things that are against God, it's not him saying, don't do that because I don't want you to have any fun. No, it's about experiencing his fullness. He made you. And we've got to fight for that, guys. We've got to fight with our faith to believe that because the world is constantly telling us that, no, that's okay, do this. Compromise here in a little bit. No, this is really fun. Get involved in this. Subtly, the enemy comes in and tries to lure us away from the fullness of God, but we have to fight to keep our eyes focused. Uh, C is we, were, we talked about not alone, that we have each other. Christ never leaves you nor forsakes you. His spirit dwells in you. We talked about the fact that the family of believers, we have each other that come alongside to help us in this warfare. And then D, we talked about we'll get a reward. And not just a reward of heaven, remember. Reward is talking about here and now. Rewards are right now, today, you should experience rewards of your past things that you've sown in faith and belief in Christ. Amen? Amen. The prayers that we've prayed before <coughs> for salvations to come in, excuse me, we will see in the next season when these chairs start getting filled up. As you and me start living like Christ and inviting our friends and growing this church for the glory of God so that people's lives are transformed, guys, there's people in this city that are hurting that need Jesus, they need the transforming power to free them from drugs and alcohol and and just junk in their lives, man. They're they're going down that dead, there's a lot of people walking down that dead-end street. And and if no one tells them, hey, guy, whoa, you're walking down a dead-end street, there's a way better path. Come on. Amen? Okay, so that was last week. That was a good week. I might just preach that one over on Facebook and then post it, so I know some people didn't... All right, so today I want to talk about knowing your battlefield. I want to talk about knowing the environment that you're in. So in warfare, it's important to know your environment. It's important to know about where you're fighting or what you're fighting. And what kind of came to mind is atmosphere. So if we go, anyone see the movie Avatar? That popular, it was pretty popular, and they went up to that whole new planet, right? And that whole, there was, the, everything was different. The physiological, you know, substance of the, of the earth and the atmosphere is all different. They had to wear suits and all that. It, even if we go to the moon, we ha- it's a different atmosphere. We can't go there and just figure, hey, I'm, hey, I'll just walk on the moon. We can't do that. It's a different atmosphere and mindset. And we have to understand that the way we have grown up in a world, a physical world, that we have to learn how to fight in a spiritual environment because it's different. And the way we want to fight and apply our fighting in the flesh is not how we apply it in the spirit realm. So we got to think different. And so we have to realize that different environments, and this is your first fill-in, different environments, different tactics. Okay, You have to remember that when you're spiritually fighting for what is yours in Christ, you're wanting to get the fullness of what God has for you You have to realize there's different tactics, and what you may have learned early in your life spiritually uh, at a church may may or may not be correct. But you've got to base it off the Word of God and realize that we don't fight flesh and blood, physical realm. We fight spiritual realm, and we fight with spiritual tools and weapons. Isn't that kind of exciting to know that God has given you spiritual weapons to fight for what he provided for you? There are spiritual weaponry, lots of weapons that God gives us to fight in a spirit world. Because you all know that if we try to fight in the flesh, in the spirit realm, you will get your behind handed to you, right? You understand that. A great picture of that is in Acts when... Remember this? Uh, I think it's the sons of Sceva. They they tried to pray, and they, they saw Paul saying in the name of Jesus, casting out devils. And then remember they said, "Oh, let's do that." And they, they went to a guy that was demon possessed, and they, in Jesus' name, come out. And the demon turned around, looked to him, said, "I know Paul, but I don't know you." And he stripped him naked, beat the tar out of him. It's in Acts. It says that they ran naked, running away. And that's that's happened. I I've seen those kind of battles. In the spirit. And I'm telling you, they're real. And when you try and go in your own flesh, in your own mindset, you will get destroyed. But if you go in the spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, oh, then it's a whole different ballgame. Because then you've changed your tactics to fight in the right environment. Thus, you'll have victory because you're you're realizing that you're in a different environment. Amen? Are you with me on that change? Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. So I want to look at um, the flow of this environment. I want to look at this type of atmosphere I'm looking at. So in your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, and we're going to read a familiar story together, but we're going to try and pull from this story some elements of truth to help us realize the environment that we're fighting in. Okay? So we're going to kind of learn some tactics of the enemy. We're going to learn how spiritual battles work and how they, that they don't relate to the physical realm, and some, some parts they do. So in Genesis 3, you can, I marked that down there, so you could later have reference. Um, but Genesis 3, and we're going to start in chapter, or verse 3. <clears throat> and I want you to write in that first bullet point there under Genesis 3, God says it. The foundational principle for any environment or any spiritual warfare or fighting a battle is it's all based upon God's powerful, creative, infinite, never-ending, never-failing Word. God's Word is so powerful that when He said, Light be, it was created and it started shining forth from his very presence outward in every direction and has never stopped. Think about that. He said, light be. And the universe, and no one knows where the end of the universe space is. No one's ever found it. They never probably will. And God said, light be. You know why? Because God never said, hey, light, stop. Stop. That's how powerful, how creative his word is. That's why Jesus says, if you trust me and believe, you can ask anything in my name, and you could say, speak, you could say words to a mountain or a big thing in your life that looks scary. You could say, be gone and cast and the sea, and, and you speak that in faith, and it would be done. God's giving you and me the same power and authority he has in and of himself. Wow. If you can begin to understand, I don't know if we'll ever fully comprehend that, but if you can start beginning to think about that and believe that and go, oh my goodness, God, this is your word. You told me that if I have faith, I can do anything. That's powerful. So we got to understand that the the whole environment of warfare, this whole environment of taking back our promised land, remember last week, we talked about Joshua coming in and taking the promised land. Would you turn the air condition down to like 70? Because I'm tall, I'm close to these lights. I'm getting a sunburn on my forehead. Um, thank you, sir. Um, <clears throat> in this environment, we have to know that the foundation holds upon his word. And I'll say that you'll probably get sick of it after a while, after I've been here a year or so, you'll probably be like, oh, here goes Pastor Doug again. I'm talking about the word of God. How about... Ba- it's it, man. The Word of God is it. If you've got to hide, if there's anything you can do spiritually, man, get into the Word, memorize it, dwell on it, chew on it, eat it, meditate on it, post it in your mirrors, put it in your bathroom, your car, you're everywhere. Meditate on it. The Bible says morning, midday, and night, all the time, get it ingrained in you because that. if you don't have that, you have nothing. Don't finish the house. You, you have no foundation. So that's an important thing to know as we go forward because you're going to, learn how to take authority in your life and fight spiritually, but if you don't have God's word, you're you're on the faulty foundation. So it starts with God says it. And let's look at this. So verse 3 says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So we see a couple fascinating truths in this one scripture, a lot that I'm not going to get into, but one of the first things we'll note is the word cunning. So this enemy of ours, we're learning about fighting, right? So it's good to know your enemy. This enemy is cunning and crafty and trickery and deceit is his nature. That's the type of battle he talks about, which is interesting because that is in alignment with the fact that this isn't about physical strength or, 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 or force and physical flesh, but it is about concepts and thought. Because remember, cunning is about speaking words and trickery and deception, right? So that's the enemy's tool, that's his nature, that's what he's like, so that's important to know. And then it goes on to say, the, the, he says to the woman, has God indeed said, and if you notice at the end, in your Bible, at the end after garden, what's there? A question mark. So the tactic of the enemy was to bring into question what we said our foundation was, which was what God had said. So if you don't know the word, you are immediately susceptible to defeat. Because the enemy is not going to come in and say, Brad, I want you to do something wild and crazy. He's going to start very subtle, very low-key, very low-level. Because he wants to trick you. It's, you know, Jen... I want you to go rob a bank. Okay, that's not going to happen, right? I can't even see. Yeah, or I, I I could say, Jen, go beat up somebody. See that just, you know, she's never going to do that. However, the enemy will never start there. He always starts low level and builds up to his goal, which is to accomplish death, destruction. He wants to kill, still destroy. So that's his end game. But he's going to start low because if he lays a correct foundation. In an unbelief, sin way, then he can bring you to that place through influence. Okay, so the word's important. So the enemy talks about, number two, fill in, the enemy questions it. So that's your second little tactic we got to understand that, that the enemy will always try and bring God's spoken, infallible, perfect, never ending word into question into your life. So, The enemy will say, yeah, that's true, but how about for you, though? Do you see how he could take a truth of God's word and say, yeah, that's true, but look what you've been doing. So does that really word now apply to you because you're such a sinner? Or you just really messed up, so God's probably not going to hold true to what he said anymore. Do you see the subtleness where, Enemy speaks truth. So, enemy will always try at first bring into question his word and what that, how that word applies to you. So, obviously, it's important to know the word. Basic training and everything should be getting into the word, understanding the precepts and principles in God's word. <coughs> There's a few more things in there, but let's, let's go on to the next. So, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, how did she do on interpreting what God said? Huh? She added to it. So, clearly, the enemy has brought the word into question. She made two mistakes. Her first mistake was getting into a dialogue with a deceiver. (laughs) And a a reasoning, trying to talk and reason things out, or even being interested in what he has to say. And we could do a whole other sermon on, where was the husband, the protector here? Why were you... Anyway, that's a whole different marriage class. (laughs) All right. So she brought into question uh, God's word, and then Eve was considering it, and then the enemy found out really quickly that she didn't listen very good, and she misquoted. God didn't say don't touch it, so she's not really clear when really we should be clear on, on that, right? Okay, all right, example, you know, I, I, it's true, I did get a ticket this morning coming to work, or to church, and it wasn't because I didn't know the law. I couldn't say it to the officer, which I thought of several things to say to him, um... <laughs> Going to church this morning, officer? Um, Can I pray for you? Um, Sorry, got a little side Jen's like, be nice. Um, Well, my responsibility. The law stated, well, it was to 65, and it went down to 55. And Jen was talking to me, and I didn't see the sign that said go down. And she was like, she was like, Oh, Doug, what, what are you, da, da, da I'm just talking and I was totally trying to focus on my loving one. This isn't going anywhere. Okay, so I didn't know. So just because I didn't know doesn't make the fact that what the law is, right? I can't, that's not an excuse. The same in the spirit world. Just because you're trying to overcome something in your life and you don't know what God really says and what, and this is more important, not only do you need to know what God's word says, but then how that applies to you today. Because there's a lot of, there can be a lot of translation and change into our text. Remember, the word we're uh, going off of was written in primarily two languages. It was translated over the time into many different languages. So there's a lot of things we can see in the word that, that may uh, differ as we understand it clearly. So that's why we rightly divide and study the word of God so that we know God's truth. So her mistake was that she got into this, this deceiving conversation and then she didn't know her word. So she considered it. That's the next one. We consider things. We consider, we get in this, uh, this, this topic of discussion, uh, and I like to say this, you can put this on the side, she took the bait. And do you know what the bait is? With people that are cunning and liars and manipulators, you know what their goal is? It's just to get you talking. They just want to get in a conversation, just to be in the conversation, because they know that they can start throwing in little... Question marks, manipulative thoughts. So the the bait was, a serpent comes up and you're talking to this deceiving liar. Not a good idea. So we're going to learn today a little bit about how we handle the serpent when he comes and speaks to us today. Because whether you believe it or not or know it or not, the enemy speaks at you all the time. And so we're going to learn how to handle that and fight that. So next is verse (coughs) 4. Excuse me. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Okay. (laughs) Now he's getting a little bold, isn't he? For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So the enemy goes from just putting a question on it in a lighter manner, low level, to outright, and that's your next fill in the blank, the enemy contradicts it, and then he outright slanders God. So the enemy comes in and says, oh, you're not surely going to die. Well, that's an a, opposite of what God said. He said, in the day you of it, you will die. And then he said, he went on to say, <coughs> oh, your eyes will be open, you'll know good and evil. What's, what's going on there? We see the enemy subtly questioning God's goodness towards us. And again, kind of what we talked about earlier, hey, God's just trying to hold something good back from you. He just doesn't want you to have fun. If you eat the fruit, you'll see in your eyes, and you, oh, it'll be great. So the enemy brings that deception in, trying to trick and manipulate us from understanding God's true character towards us. Why God says, don't have any other idols before you. Why God says, don't murder. Why he says, um, no adultery. Why he says, honor your father and mother. Why does he say those things? So the enemy will take that and bring question into, why is God saying that? What is he holding back from you? Instead, the question should be, man, if God said that, He loves me so much, there there should be some rich truths in here to bring me more fulfillment and power and love into my life. Let's discover and investigate that and actually have more. So the enemy brings in deception and lies. He gets to the point where he contradicts and slanders God. (coughs) Verse 6, let's read on and see what else comes out. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, uh, good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes... And the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took in the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, <coughs> excuse me. And, then, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So look how quickly it went from not knowing God's word, getting into this conversation, Bringing questions on what God wants and how He loves us or He doesn't love us to, hey, look at this pleasure that it can immediately give me to my flesh. And then how quickly it got to, oh, their eyes were opened, they were naked, and they tried to cover themselves. Isn't it crazy that once we get into that deception and we come into an agreement with a lie that's untrue, how quickly we get into a, a spirit of shame and guilt? That's one of the first things. That came in because, see, the enemy's, he's trying to make it all great. Oh, you're going to be fun. Go out, do drugs, do this, do that. It'll be fun. And you go, wow, that was, yeah, nothing happened to me immediately. There was no immediate thing. So it must be okay. And then pretty soon you're realizing, oh, my gosh, the shame comes in. You realize that you're naked. You realize that you have to cover yourself. And then there's a distance between you and God. See, and that's the enemy's goal is to get space and distance between you and God. Remember what they had had. They were in the garden. God came, walked with them every day. They got to hang out, talk. Love. Awesome. Total fulfillment. But Satan, because he used to have that when he was, he was created as a great being, but when he got kicked out of heaven, he lost that, and now he has this jealousy of these humans that God made, Like, Ugh. and now they had to have this close communion with God. Now his goal now is like, I'm going to try and steal that away. That's no good. They had what I had. There's a jealousy there. Look at verse 8. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, uh, the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Isn't that sad? Like, God was just wanting to hang out with them. God knew they already did what they did. So what I love about this kind of hidden in the context is that even though we mess up, God still wants to come and, and make it right and heal us. You know what I mean? So God, God wasn't like, oh, shoot, I'm a holy God. You guys sinned. I didn't realize that. I better get out of here. No, he came down and was looking for him. He wanted to talk through this through, maybe even learn from this, right? But they hid themselves. The, the enemy brought separation. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? I love when God asks questions where he already knows the answer. God ever do that to you? He asks you questions. You're like, God, you already know this. What are you okay, he's trying to teach you. Where are you, he said. and So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. <clears throat> it's interesting God's response. Verse 11, he said, Who told you? Who told you that? You know, You, you expect maybe a father would go, Hey, you did a bad thing. Get in your room. I'm going to spank your butt you know, or, you know, the fatherly thing, you know, you expect, but the first, his first thing, concern, was not about their sin. In, in my mind, maybe it's just me, but I think the uh, first thing, hey, you disobeyed me! No, you know? That's kind of, you know, how I think, but no, God said, wait, wait, okay, let's not talk about the fact that you disobeyed my direct command, but who told you you were naked? Almost like that concept was a bigger deal to God than the fact that they disobeyed. Who told you that? Because, see, what happened is when they disobeyed, they opened their hearts up to sin. And when sin came in, that kingdom now had access into the soul of Adam and Eve. And so when they disobeyed, they allowed that in, and now all of a sudden they looked at themselves and immediately... They recognized, now, you know, it's kind of funny, but, you know, they were walking around naked. Nothing was wrong with it. No one cared. No one said nothing. We don't know at this point and how when kids came in, it could have been just them. But even besides the point, there was no shame. And all of a sudden, sin came in and there's this shame and guilt for something that was good and holy and right. They shouldn't have been ashamed of of how they looked, they shouldn't have been ashamed of, of being without covering. But now they were, and that was God's main concern, is that, wait, wait a minute, who told you you were naked? And see, this gives us a glimpse into the spirit realm about how to fight and what kind of battle we're fighting, because it's in that realm where your soul, your mind, you are a spiritual being, right? You have a body, right? The body carries us around, but you have a mind, and sometimes we talk about the soul and intellect, but when we talk about our soul and our mind, it kind of gets pretty closely related. <clears throat> because in our mind, where the real battlefield is, is where the connection to the spirit world is at all times. So in our physical body, right, we, we feel, we, I said smell, here, <laughs> we smell, here, we see, all, all the five senses, right? That's how our physical body relates to this world that we live in. But our spirit, now once we're saved, is directly in line and, and, and has God. God's spirit and our spirit are one, the Bible declares. But our soul and our mind is kind of that dual, where it has connection to the spirit realm and the physical. It kind of brings things together. And that's where God's saying here is like, wait a minute, who told you you were naked? Because with this sin and this disobedience, you opened yourself up to everything now, and now you're going to hear uh, the enemies speaking to you. You're going to hear uh, God, me speaking to you and then yourself. So you're going to have this convolution of voices now that where is this coming from? Let's look at a few scriptures. Um, if you look at Luke, <coughs> we'll, we'll go back to um, that next fill-in in a second, but Luke 6.45, you don't have to turn there, but you can listen if you want. 6.45, it talks about this. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So what's inside here developing and growing is eventually going to come out here because it's a natural produce. So we see that once that that is open through sin, now we have this dichotomy where we are open to sin, but we're also open to hear God as well. And now we get a decipher between the two. And so thus we have this battlefield or this environment that we're talking about, the environment of our our hearts is the battlefield. The environment is, is that we can hear, you do hear God's voice. It may be hard for you to discern at, at times, or a lot of times, or maybe you think you don't even hear his voice, but you do. If you're a born-again Christian, you have that access to his frequency. But you also now through sin have the frequency to the kingdom of hell, the darkness that's coming in that realm, and you can hear those thoughts as well, those concepts trying to pull you back and forth. Okay, so, thus we have the environment. So, the principle there in your fill in <coughs> under uh, Luke 4 is the enemy can get you, if the enemy can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. Think about that, guys. The battlefield is of the mind. If the enemy can at first get you to think wrong, then he can affect your behavior and you'll begin to act wrong. Again, what is our foundation? God's Word, right? He says it. The foundation of God's Word is true because everything's based off of that. So if you believe in your heart a lie, you're going to have the lie manifest itself from the inside of you out, and you will start manifesting that into the physical realm, right? Right? So if you believe someone did you wrong and you start hating them, and you you agree with that lie, you don't forgive, then you will eventually start doing evil things towards them. You'll start spewing out evil words towards them. You may even punch them in the face. You start; It starts getting manifest in the physical because what's in here eventually is going to come out. So if the devil can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. And this is probably one of the most foundational but yet strongest principles you can have to be a spiritual warrior is to understand this principle. That if you can guide your mind and renew your mind with God's word and keep your mind fixed on him, then your actions will follow that. And your behavior will start conforming to the ways of God versus conforming to the ways of this world or the kingdom of darkness. Does that make sense? So highlight that, circle it, think about that this week. I gave you a few other scriptures under there to ponder during the week. Um, uh, Proverbs 23 and Romans. um, Proverbs says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so again, we're seeing that really where that battlefield is, where that environment is, is in our hearts. It's in that realm where we can actually spiritually hear the enemy and, and hear our own thoughts. It's kind of the combination intersection of physical mind, our own created thoughts that we have of who we are. God speaking, the angelic uh, realm speaking, and then it's kind of like the first, second, third heavens. We'll get, we can get more into that later, but it's kind of a convolution of all those that are there. And then Romans 12, you, you know, uh, meditate on that this week. It's the it's renewing of your mind. So we renew our minds, which means the fact that it says renew means there, <laughs> there's been some damage, right? So you've got to get the old stinking thinking out and get God's thinking in and his principles so that you can have, so your behavior will start matching up to God's word. Guys, if you get God's word in you, you'll start living like God lives. You'll start acting like God Acts. You'll start thinking like he thinks, and you'll start producing in your life what God is producing in, out of His being. Amen. We are to be vessels of that, to have Him flow through us. Uh, how are we doing? Everyone other one good. You want to keep going a little bit further? Okay. All right. So this next part is probably—I might say this quite a bit, but this is one of my favorite. This really helped me in my life to get free. And to learn how to fight <clears throat> we got to know, if you go to your next page um, of notes, um, we have to know the schemes. know the schemes or you can put tricks or you have to know how the enemy thinks about things. It, it's been said um, anyone plays sports and never hear have their coach say the best offense is to have a great defense right so the concept is is for basketball which is my favorite sport you could score a bunch of points but if you keep allowing your the other team to score at will well you might eventually lose but if you can play really good defense and not allow them to score that much then the your pressure to score points is less and so conceptually if we understand how the enemy works then we're not blindsided by a a thought and by an attack of the enemy, and we're not surprised by it because we're learning how the enemy works. And if you look at militarily, if you're gonna fight a war, you've gotta know how your enemy's thinking, what they have available to fight, what their tactics are, um, what they've done in the past, how they'll fight, what type of land, what type, what type of weaponry are they using because you're going to have to make sure you have stuff to protect yourself and actually fight against that. So there's a lot of military tactics in that, but you've got to think, okay, in the spiritual realm, I've got to be aware. And what Paul is saying in uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 is don't let the enemy outwit us for, our, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We're not unaware of his tricks. Look how the New, New uh, Living Translation says it. And it's funny because when you read in context, it's again talking about forgiveness. It's funny how a lot of spiritual warfare has forgiveness and unforgiveness attached to it. Interesting, but... So it says in verse 10, Paul says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when you forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, comma, so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. And so the word schemes actually means how they think. We should know how the enemy thinks. The Bible makes it clear. Paul says, I am familiar with that. I'm familiar so that I'm not unaware and don't get caught off guard. And so that's what I want to go into a little bit today of how that looks. I was going to play a (coughs) YouTube video today, but we're still learning how, I'm still learning how to use the stuff here. So any Star Wars fans, the original Star Wars, okay, so you know Obi-Wan Kenobi, right, okay, and Luke. Remember when, when Luke, uh, uh, obi Wan's just finds Luke, and Luke, uh, they kill, they're looking for him, but they kill his parents and stuff. Remember when he's finding that out? Oh, man. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi's with him, and so he's with Obi-Wan, and he's going into the city, uh, Mos Eisley, I think was the name of the city they're going into, remember, in the Land Cruiser. Are you with me? Everyone's like, I'm going to watch Star Wars today. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little, I'm a Star Wars, I've been since eight years old watching Star Wars. So what happened is, so uh, Obi-Wan got in and the stormtroopers were looking for him. So they were on the hunt for them and so they pulled up and got, you know, sitting in their Land Cruiser and the stormtroopers come up and they're looking for these two guys. He says, hey, where are you guys from? And what did Obi-Wan do? You don't need to know who you're looking for. Remember that? These aren't the ones you're looking for. Go on your way, move along, Da 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 da. And so it's funny because in that scenario, and with weak-minded people, the Jedi could s- suggest things, right? Right, And then a weak-minded person that, and I'm going to illustrate here, doesn't know the word of God, doesn't understand how it applies to his life, and wants to get into conversation with the enemy, will take those suggestions that are thrown to him and go, oh yeah, these aren't the droids I'm looking for. Oh yeah, you know what? I should just move along. And we laugh and smile at that, but do you know the enemy does that to you? Probably a lot. He used to do it to me a whole lot. He still tries, and and it's it's a fight. But man, before I came into this concept of understanding what this, how this works, I was a sucker, man. I there was time, I, there was seasons of my life that I thought because of the thoughts that came through my head at times, I thought I was. I would question my salvation sometimes. I was just like, how can i I'm a Christian man, how can, I was, I pastored before, I was pastoring at the time when I, when I learned a lot of this, and I, I'm a pastor, and I just had this nasty, wicked thought, <gasps> what's wrong, I mean, I just was like, at times ready to go get counseling or figure out what's wrong with me, I mean, I don't want these, I'm not trying to think of them. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget, I won't go too deep, I was early 7, 7 o'clock, walking into church, getting ready to you know, open up the building, and I was going to preach and stuff, and I'm walking down, and I'm thinking of you know all good stuff, not a just thinking of church, songs we're going to sing, and whatever. And all of a sudden, I got, bam! I got this thought out of left field, and I'm not going to tell you the thought because it's embarrassing, but it's nasty! I'm like, And I remember going, what the heck? Like, where did that come from? Like, how did, oh, you know, and I just thought, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Man, and when I learned this, man, and I found out that sucker, cunning, deceiving, dirtbag, satanic, demonic devil, jerkheads were tricking me, and because of my lack of knowledge I was getting suckered into condemnation and self-doubt and and all that junk. When I found out, I was like, oh, man. Rest of my life, I'm preaching this word, and I'm I'm getting people free from your tricks and your lies because it is unfair and wicked what they do. But yet God, in his word, clearly shows us a pathway for freedom. You want to look into it? Okay. Okay. So we should know how the enemy thinks. <clears throat> Romans 7, 11 says this, uh, the, and I put those scriptures in there so that you can look them up later in the week and kind of meditate on them, but for sin, taking the occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. <laughs> so I just want, I love that scripture because it talks about the deception, right? And the deceiving part that at the end is death. So sin opens up that door. Um, Luke 21, 8 says, take heed that you do not be deceived. So God's telling us to watch out for being deceived and, and having trickery, okay? So under there it says, in the Bible, the name helps describe the person. So I just want you to write that down, think about, so remember in biblical names how important names were? You know, I mean, gosh, you know, of course Jesus a name, but everyone got these names, and, and in Hebrew and, and even uh in Greek too, there's rich meaning in these names, and people gave names to describe. Uh, remember Jacob? Well, what does his name mean? Remember, deceiver. deceiver. And did he do that? Yeah, he had some problems deceiving, right? So, sorry if there's anyone Jacob or no anyone. I had it was funny when I studied that and learned it. I had a kid Jacob in my youth group, <laughs> and he totally fit the name. It was crazy. Anyway, <laughs> he's a good kid. So the name helps us understand the person's nature or intended nature or or characteristics. Well, I want to talk a little bit about a common name that we all may know. And his name's devil. It's interesting. The word devil is used uh, in the New Testament, uh, I think, 38 times about uh, referred to as the, the devil. And then also the spirits that work with the enemy, demons, are called devils, too, 27 times. So it's a name used quite often. And I think, well, well, let's see what's hidden in this little treasure of this word to see what maybe God's helping us understand here. So the, the word for devil in the Greek is diabolos. And you can, I have a little D there, okay? And I want you to write in there, in the first one, dia, D-I-A. And then on the B, I want you to write bolos, B-O-L-O-S. Okay. <coughs> So diabolos, and then next to dia in the little blank spot, I want you to write through. Through. And then on B next to bolos, I want you to write throw. Like you're throwing a baseball. Throw. So these this word diabolos, right? Diabolos is the devil. Diabolos. Diabolos. That's the word for devil. It means literally to throw through. Think about that, throw through. So I have what is a weapon called bolos. I made it myself, so it's probably not to scale or that, but um, let's see. Oh, Robert, yeah, I was going to pick on you. Will you help me out here? I need someone young that if they fall down it doesn't hurt. So stand right here, Robert, and we're going to go slow motion and it's not going to look totally real. But so. No, oh yeah, so stand there facing that way because you're going to pretend run, but really slow. So bolos were created, you got three strands with some heavy rocks or stuff on there. The idea, right, swing this, right? This is bolos, this is the weapon. So the, the idea of bolos is when he's my prey, maybe he's a deer, can you put some antlers on your head? There you go, you're a deer, you're facing that way, right? And you slowly start running, and then I launch this sucker, right? You know, and it missed them. So what it does is it throws through, right? Wraps around their legs and tangles them and stops them. So bolos. This is bolos. Thank you, Robert. So bolos in the word, and check the definition of this word. This is the Greek interpretations and definitions of the word. To throw through and that's your next blank there, to throw through in order to capture, injure, or kill. To throw through in order to capture, injure, or kill. Now let's talk about this word. What does this word mean? Properly it means to throw across, back and forth. To throw through, so really it's coming back and forth. So just picture arrows. Either, this is in the definition, either with rocks, you know, people fighting, Or words. Slander. Gossip. it's It's used in that when they're gossiping in Luke 16. The word, listen to this. This is so important. The word implies malice even if the thing said was true. Okay, put this in the spiritual realm, our fighting. Remember, today is all about learning our environment. How does the enemy... How does the enemy fight? Let's learn about this so we can be good warriors. So, if the devil's name means to throw through, to capture, injure, or kill, and what is he throwing? What? Thank you. He's throwing thoughts, accusations. The Bible says he's the accuser. His only power now, this is a, a side note, and we've, you've got to understand this and get this in your hearts. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, the devil's so powerful. He, oh my gosh. No, he, the, the Bible says he's like a, a, a roaring lion, roaming around, seeking who he may devour. But the good news is he's been declawed and detoothed. That's even a word. So, some of you are getting gummed to death out there <laughs> and smacked around. But so anyway, we got to understand that even though he is very, very intelligent beings now, and, and let's just get a couple things straight. So angel, not all demons are fallen angels. Okay, that's just, so there's different classes. So uh, there's still angelic beings that, that fell, that are still angelic beings, fallen angels, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily a demon. There's different categories of those. But we've got to understand that angels are very intelligent. <laughs> they are, they're smart. They've been around. They know how humans work. And it's, they've been the same throughout the ages, all the same, the lust of the eyes, flesh, and the pride of life, categorized. They just work on that, and it works on everybody. But they're intelligent. They know how to trick and deceive. So that's why the God's Word gives us these things. So anyway... Back to this, so to throw through to capture, injure, or kill. The word implies malice even if it's true, which means that so the enemy could say something and you'll hear it as a thought, okay? So just let's get this correct. When the enemy speaks, very rarely will you hear it audibly. In fact, it's a good lesson because we don't hear God's word audibly, right? A lot, has anyone heard it audibly? Yeah, maybe you have. Awesome. Totally. I've heard it to where my physical ears didn't hear literal sound waves come through and it was a word, but I've heard him so clear that it felt like that. I mean, clearly. Uh, I'll give you one fil- illustration. When me and Jen just met, I was working at Verizon Wireless, and I was in the gas station, and I was looking. It was before we got married and um, i needed to get out of my house and i needed to rent another house i was it was a you know still dealing with my leftover divorce miserable thing and i was uh, i needed and i wasn't thinking oh i need to go rent a house it wasn't urgent but i was just thinking about other things all of a sudden i wasn't even thinking of, i wasn't actually thinking about renting a house at that point i was just getting gas coming home from work but i still needed a house at the time but i wasn't thinking about it so I get out of the gas station, I pull out. All of a sudden, it's clear as day, not a physical voice, but the Holy Spirit said, there's a house for rent. And he just showed me where it was. Like, and uh, within a half second, I heard, uh, there's a house for rent, and there, here's where it is, and I could kind of see a map picture. And I knew right where, the vicinity, where it was. And I was like, Whoa. That's ah, weird. And I'm like, of course I'm going to go check. Because I, I knew it was God. It was just so amazing. I just love him. And, and when he speaks that strongly, it's like, okay. So I turn down there, and I I go, okay. Tur- I turn left, turn right. I go, it's got to be right over here. And so I turned right on the street. The second house down had a for rent sign. And I, oh my, I'm oh i like, oh, my gosh. There's a house for rent. Okay, yeah, uh, there could be a house for rent anywhere. Well, so I got out, and I looked at it. I'm like, okay. And it, I think it said... I didn't know the price yet, but I'm like, oh, okay, go in. it doesn't look like anyone So I go up to the door and I look in, it's totally empty. It's open. <laughs> no one's in there, house is open. I go in, look at the whole house, like, this is cool, this would work. And uh, I called the number, I said, hey, uh, da, da, da. I just want you to know your house is open, I'm looking to rent it, but I just, I, I, you want me to lock it for you and go out another door? She's like, yeah, oh my gosh. So anyway, the lady ended up giving me $150 off the rent. It was like, I don't know, 17, 15, and 16, went down to 16. And she knew my situation. She was super nice. One of the, And then eventually that's where Jen, we got married, and she moved into that house uh, with me. And then um, the, the landlord was awesome. But that all started with, I wasn't even asking God for a house, really. I was just getting gas, thinking of what was for dinner. And the Lord just said, right now, it was like in, the, in Acts, go to Straight Street, and there's going to be a donkey. To, okay, awesome. So anyway... I heard that, and to me it was a a thought. It wasn't, it was a normal, like like you would normally think, thoughts. So a good lesson for us all that we've got to learn as a church and as individuals, that God is speaking, and a lot of times that's where discernment comes in, because you're gonna hear, you're gonna have thoughts that are gonna be your own, generated from you, your own thoughts. You're gonna have thoughts that are gonna come in by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes the Holy Spirit won't be as big and bold as that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's been more subtle with me and just said, you know, little things like, go pray for that person. And I'm like, okay, was that me? You know, I think it was me. Okay, I, I want to pray for you. you know what I mean? Are you with me? Guys? Yeah. Uh, argument goes in your head. So there's thoughts from the enemy, too. When the enemy speaks, thought thrower, bolos, diabolos, throwing through, he speaks at you, speaks through the ear, sees if you'll catch on to it, see if you'll Bite the bait. Man, you're never going to get that job. Man, you messed up again. You want to learn a big trick about how the enemy works? (coughs) I think it's in my notes, so I'll hold on here. Did I put this in? I did. Yes. The enemy will use truth... That's your next bullet point, but he'll twist it. So the enemy will say true things, but he'll put a twist on it. That's what the word this actually means, is the twisting. To make it, as you twist, it gets worse and worse, more twisted. So the enemy will work there. And then number two, which I was going to talk to you about, is the enemy will speak in first person. That's your last fill in the blank. The enemy will speak to you in first person. And I learned that, that's what I learned that one Sunday when I came in and the Holy Spirit revealed, because I had the thought came into my mind, I want this, or I'm no good, or I will fail. So the thought came into my head, I am so stupid, right? And of course, I'm thinking, naively, yeah, that was pretty dumb because there was truth in it. I did something stupid. Therefore I'm dumb, right? Right? That's what so there's truth in it but the enemy twisted it to make it take from something you did behaviorally to something it is as your identity. And that's not scriptural. Okay? So we are we sin but we're not sinners. We are saints people declared righteous through the blood of Christ who make mistakes and we do sin at times. We are not sinners. We are saints who sin. Big difference. So I thought, oh my gosh, I had, that thought was not for me. I didn't even recognize where it was, but here it is coming into my mind as a thought that says, I'm not going to make it, or I'm going to fail, or I'm not good enough, or I can't do this. And I'm like, wait, this isn't fair. But Holy Spirit said, well, now you know. So, When we talk about Paul saying, take every thought captive. Every thought. Bring it to Jesus. We're going to learn more about this next week. Make it obey Christ. Every thought. So, diabolos. Diabolos, the Satan, devil, means to throw through, to capture, injure, or kill. And the enemy is throwing thoughts through your mind to see if you'll hook on to any of them and go... Yeah, you're right, I'm not going to make it. What happens there? An agreement. And sometimes we think, we don't even realize what we're doing, but we're making handshakes with the devil and his thinking about our lives and what we're going to be and who we are. Usually it's identity. If you look at, I was going to... I was studying, and I got 10 points out of uh, when the enemy tempted Jesus. Maybe we'll look at that a little next week, because it's really fascinating how Jesus handled this temptation. Same thing. And how he, uh, what, and how he handled that. But I'm telling you, church, the enemy will throw, throw thoughts through your mind to see if you'll come in into an agreement with his lie. And when you do that, you've given him, remember the week before, topos? What did topos mean? Remember Ephesians? Anyone else besides my wife? Listen. Don't give the enemy topos. Place. Space. Remember? Don't give the devil a space. Remember, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the enemy space to occupy you in any way. And when we come into an agreement with those thoughts that aren't God's thoughts and not his truth... Because the enemy casts lies at you and you think these thoughts. And you think it's you. And you're thinking, if I'm thinking it, it must be true. That's not true. That's a lie. And so, if it's not you, and sometimes it is flat out the enemy where he's speaking, he's just whispering in your ear, I'm so stupid. And so, you hear that and you're like, yeah, I just did that. Yeah, that was pretty, I must be stupid. Yeah, I'm stupid. You come into an agreement. And then you've given him a little space in your heart. Just a little space to occupy. And then, like any other infestation or wickedness, it starts little and grows and grows. And it starts getting another little lie. And then, remember, um, with Adam and Eve, remember how he just first questioned it, but then he flat out contradicted it? The progression of lies get a little bolder. Like a frog in boiling water. Just turn up the heat just a little. Throw out another question mark. Pretty soon you have this, I'm a loser, I'm no good. And then you have something later, man, maybe I should just leave this place. Never come back. Maybe I should end it all. Progression. That's why the battlefield, we got to know our environment here, guys. We got to know and be strong in 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 the thought world to take authority over those, to take up God's word, to know God's word, and to take authority over thoughts. Amen? So, this is how, this is just, this is kind of spiritual warfare 101 that we're going through so that we as a body, the best way we can fulfill our mission, which is our mission is to what? To know Him and to make Him known. The best way we can make him known is to make the best me I can be. And the best me I can be is one that learns how to take control of the, the mind and the thoughts that are coming through and recognize the fact that the enemy is trying to lure you into an agreement with him to take you down, to deceive you. And so the best you is going to be one that learns how to fight because the enemy is going to try and rob you of everything that God's promised you. The Bible says the promise of God in him are yes and amen. Every promise that God gives you in his word, you have the freedom and the right to take in on that action. But you've got to believe it, but he's going to try and rob you. Does that make sense for you guys? You with me? Okay. So next week we'll learn more into the, what a stronghold looks like and dive into that, and we'll continue our journey on that. But let's pray. Ask God's uh, blessing on this. Lord, we thank you for today, God. We thank you, God, that... You're a God who loves us, who cares enough about us to give us your awesome, powerful word, Lord, that you breathed your life in your word, God, and it breathes into us and changes us, uh, forms us and shapes us, God, and we're so thankful that you uh, have given us your word. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're teaching us today, God, and we thank you for what you're going to teach us even next week and the weeks after, God, but we want to be transformed into your likeness. Lord, we want to become more like you, God. We want to be warriors for your kingdom, God, and really get the word out and see people saved, God. But we know, God, if we can't have victory in our own lives, Lord, we've got to have that first so that then we can help others have victory in theirs. So God, we pray that you would help us each in our individual hearts right now to have victory, uh, Lord, in our own life, God, that we can have victory over the things that are holding us down. Lord, the fears that we have, Lord, the anxieties that we're faced with, the things that are challenging us, Lord. We pray that you would give us discernment, Lord, and you would give us wisdom on how to be warriors for you, to to know the environment we are in so that we could be a wise army that can take the city for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So guys, your homework this week is to talk about... Thoughts that you've had that now you're you've just maybe realized even today that maybe that's not your own thought. And I want you to find a spouse or a really good friend or someone that you can a, accountability partner that you have. And I want you to talk about that and bring stuff up and 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 just ask each other questions like, well, what are some of the things that've been through your mind this last week or that you've always struggled with? And let's try and find out what the enemy's trying to do so that we can have victory over that. Open discussion. Uh, get with someone and pray on that, and let's get victory over those and really start living the kingdom life. Amen? All right, guys. Love you. God bless. See you next week.